It is our privilege to be able to meet here this evening for prayer and fellowship and the teaching of the word, and I trust that it will be an encouragement to you. We're going to sing a couple of hymns this evening. The first one is number 161 in your hymn book. It is titled, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I looked up some of the information about Joseph Scriven, who wrote it. The, the story starts out with a telling of he watched as his fiance's body was pulled from a lake because she drowned. The next day was to be their wedding. He was so distraught by it, he decided to leave Dublin and head to the United States. In the United States, he eventually went to Canada also, where he met a second woman he was going to marry, who died of tuberculosis, and he was just torn apart by the whole thing. But while he was there, he heard that his mother was going through a time of crisis. So he wrote the words of this hymn to be an encouragement to her. And uh, they were an encouragement to his life also. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Let's stand as we sing, shall we? We trust that whatever is bothering you or troubling you tonight, that you will find a solace in our prayer time. Let's pray this evening. Dear Lord, we thank you for the time that we can gather together in the middle of the week. Uh, many times we're overburdened with cares and, and troubles and distresses. Lord, thank you for your love and your care to us. Lord, help us to love and care for one another. We look ahead to hearing from your word tonight, and we'll be encouraged by it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A few announcements tonight, just uh, before we get into a prayer time and a message. Um, a few things coming up. Uh, there are plenty of teens and juniors at camp this week. We'll mention that again in our prayer time, but uh, be praying for the teens and, and juniors as they're at camp this week. Um, we are missing our single intern uh, for the summer. We had a single intern this summer, and so that's going to end soon because in a few days he will no longer be single. So be praying for Daniel. His wedding's coming up in a week. Uh, I think he's got a few things left he's got to tie up before uh, 
the week is up. So I'll be praying for that. Also, we have a business meeting on Sunday, August 6th. There's a few mission items. We've announced those on Sunday. And if you'd like to know what they are, I'm not keeping secrets. They're posted on the welcome desk. You can check it out or ask um, there. Also, uh, Nick Skinner. Uh, the Skinners are having a move coming up. They'll be uh, moving um, on Thursday, August 3rd. Uh, they need some help loading a truck because that just doesn't happen. So if you can help Nick load up a truck on Thursday, August 3rd, either check with Nick, you can see myself or Pastor Mian. Um, we would love to get a group together that can help them take care of that. And then also some unloading on Friday as well. A few more details uh, to come on that one. We'll send out an email later in the week. Uh, Short thank you note. Dear church family, I wanted to say thank you to all who prayed for me during my surgery and recovery. I truly appreciate all the prayers, notes, and kind words. I'm truly lucky to have found such a loving church family. God bless us all from Karen Gerhardt. And for those who may be wondering uh, if Pastor Cochran is not here, that is correct. They are having from what I can tell, a good time in Germany. They are ministering this week uh, with some missionaries in Germany. And uh, just as a report, I got this from one of our missionaries that's there. This is from Brother Tim Dysert's Greetings from Germany. Special thank you to everyone at Calvary for caring for us enough to send Jeremy and Amber Cochran again. It's a delight to have them here. Just seeing their smiling faces warms our hearts. Hearing from Jeremy on ministry fatigue is both helpful and useful and something which the Lord, of course, knew would be helpful. Uh, we know Steve and Martha Anderson's love for our Savior, and, and we thank God for their missionary heart. Steve and Martha are there, and God is using his messages as well to build us up. And Tim says, God is good every day all the time, and that God is blessing in the work that's going on there with that retreat at, um, in Germany. So just uh, be praying, continue to pray for that, and uh, that's a good thing going on this week. Take your hymnal one more time, turn to hymn number 410, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus." The woman who wrote this hymn was plant making plans to go to the mission field in, uh, let's see, it was in uh, China. And because of sickness, she was led to do something else. Um, she later married a man by the name of Mr. Stead, and he drowned off the coast of Long Island. So she took their young daughter and went to the mission field herself to South Africa and started a missionary work in South Rhodesia, which today is Zimbabwe. Do we know a missionary in Zimbabwe today? We do. Laverne Waugh. She was here not too long ago. So let's sing, uh, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, number 410 in your hymnal.
Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you. We'll take some prayer requests at this time. I've asked Josh Palmer if he would come and uh, pray this evening. If you have anything to add to the prayer list, um, what what things do we have to add? Let's self. Okay, Honey Self has a procedure uh, Monday morning at 6 down at Crestwood. Procedure will hopefully help reduce some back pain that she's been experiencing for quite a while. So be praying for that. Um, yes, ma'am. Young, young lady, Sierra Lane, 18-year-old, in a motorcycle action in uh, intensive care since Sunday. Okay, I'll be praying for her. Yes, ma'am. Okay, the McCoy's grandson, Lincoln, five-year-old. Uh, may well have a concussion. Be praying for him, and uh, we'll go on there. Nick. Okay. Can we get a last name? Low. All right, the Lowe's, uh, she's due in three, as a friend of Nick's, uh, she's due in three weeks and has fallen and broken her leg, which just makes for more complications than my brain can fathom. And so uh, he has to take off work for three months. Uh, that is definitely a difficult scenario, to say the least. Well, John. All right, a friend of John Bolander's, Evan Schultz, is having experimental cancer uh, treatment. Uh, pray that that is effective. Uh, had someone mention uh, Lloyd and Faith Smith. Uh, they moved a few months back. Just uh, be praying for them. They've got something uh, that they need prayers about, so be praying for Faith and Lloyd Smith. Yes, Brother Brosnan. All right, Tamara Brosnan will be having a medical procedure tomorrow, so we'll be praying for her. Um, yes, Rhapsody. Yes. Okay. Um, on the front side of that uh, prayer request list, fourth one down, Rhapsody Schmidt's mother. Um, she was taken to the hospital, but she is home as of yesterday with a heart monitor to continue to keep track of things. A um, few other things there on the front. We mentioned the teens and the juniors at camp. Be praying for that. Uh, be praying for the Crawfords. Uh, Susan's mom has been moved from the hospital to uh, different care. Uh, be praying for them as they help deal with that transition. Uh, Dave Jones has been, been out for the last couple of weeks. Um, he's, he had an appointment, and uh, be praying that uh, what they have tested on him, they'll be able to figure out what's, what exactly is going on and that the treatments would be effective. Uh, remember Dorothy Bowden, the passing of her son, Kevin. The uh, funeral was this afternoon. Be praying for her and comfort. Um, and the Rice Singers, as far as I know, today was the day they were supposed to head back to Uganda, which I am certain is not a few-hour process they'll probably arrive sometime tomorrow. So any other prayer requests we should pray for this, this week? All right, Josh, if you'd come and then I'll 
I'll pray as well. Lord, come before this evening, and we thank you, Lord, for the many merciful things you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, and but Lord, we also come before you with many burdens, requests represented here, many more than I'm sure we'll probably mention, and I pray that you be with every need mentioned and unmentioned here, and uh, those that we remember here verbally and those that are in our hearts. We think of those that are at camp uh, this week, Lord, and I pray that, you know, among the fun and the relaxation that they're having, that you would just continue to work in the hearts and lives of those that are attending, uh, continue to be a blessing and uh, rejuvenate and uh, revive the spirits of those that are there. And we pray, Lord, for traveling mercies uh, to and from uh, camps and for a pastor and his family. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the, the praises that, uh, that have been mentioned here today, those that uh, are improving, those that, you know, are, are able to come home, but Pray, Lord, for their continued recovery, uh, as in the Schmitz. I ask, Lord, that you'd be with uh, these appointments that are coming up in the coming days. Uh, Miss uh, Sells for reduced pain. I ask, Lord, to be with this young woman who's in intensive care after a motorcycle accident. I pray that you would just be with that situation. Uh, it be in your will, Father, that you would heal and help them recover. And I pray, Lord, through this, that maybe there'd be opportunity uh, for witness and for testimony. Uh, we bring up the, the Bowdens uh, this week, Lord, and their time of loss, that you continue to comfort and be with that family uh, through these trying days. I pray, Lord, for uh, this young one, Lincoln, who has possible concussion. I pray, Lord, that that would not be the case and that you would be in that situation and heal as necessary. I pray for uh, Lowe's, the, the wife is uh, pregnant, has fallen. And Lord, uh, that uh, uh, just a scary situation. I pray that the pregnancy is fine. There's no further complications. And that you just be with them uh, through this time of loss of work and through the, the pain and the struggle uh, and just the, the increased stress. That you just help uh, calm fears, calm nerves, as that's not uh, helpful to anyone there. I pray, Lord, you be with uh, uh, Schultz as uh, this experimental treatment for cancer. That you just Make that effective, Lord. We'll use that and uh, be with the, uh, them in their time and encourage them. Uh, pray, Lord, for these unspoken with the Smiths. I pray, Lord, uh, for Ms. Tamber's medical procedure, that you would be with uh, that and that it would uh, be effective. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, for uh, all you have done, all you will continue to do. I pray, Lord, for understanding uh, through those things that we don't see necessarily the reason in the immediate. I pray for those that I have forgotten. I, I thank you, Lord, for uh, the fact that you know far better than we do. I ask that you be with all that's been done tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Lord, as we continue, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the opportunity, again, we have to meet together in your house and look into your word. And Lord, encourage one another as believers. Lord, we think about the many requests that were shared uh, this evening that we've some we just found out about and some we'd known for a while, Lord. We're reminded so clearly that we're feeble and frail and weak. Lord, in our weakness, we know that you are strong. We ask that you would be glorified in each of these situations that was mentioned tonight. Uh, we think about the different ways that, that we struggle and, and have, have heartaches, Lord. But we ask that we would focus on you and that we would seek your face in our difficulties, Lord, that we would see your strength and that we would be able to praise you for what you accomplish. Um, Lord, give us, give us clarity to understand your will, or maybe where sometimes it's, it's uncertain. Or think about the different um, things that we know about, Lord, with, with the teens and the juniors at camp. We ask that you continue to just be with them this week and work in the messages. Uh, it's just a wonderful time to be away from distractions and and focus specifically on your word. We ask that we would hear good testimonies of the Holy Spirit working in their hearts. And we thank you for it and the opportunity. We think about uh, Rhapsody Schmidt's mother, and we just ask that you'd give the doctors wisdom as they seek to figure out exactly what may have happened and continue to treat uh, her with what's going on. Or we ask that you'd be with uh, Mrs. Bowden. Um, just strengthen her, Lord, and comfort her. Uh, Lord, give her your grace. 
Or we think about the Van Heiden family as well, that um, as they both go through the loss of a loved one, Lord, we just ask that you would strengthen and encourage, Lord, give us as a, as a church body the opportunities to comfort and share hope. Lord, I just ask that you would help us to love one another as you have loved us, Lord. Think about uh, the opportunity that Pastor and Amber have to be with some different missionaries in Germany. Lord, just give them a wonderful time of fellowship and encouragement and strengthening. Lord, think about the, some of these who are going through uh, some difficult times in ministry that are challenging and maybe they don't share that as, as readily. Um, but Lord, just let this time of, of good fellowship be an encouragement to them. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity they have to be there. Um, we ask that you'd use this time also to encourage Pastor and Amber as well. Lord, we think about the Rice Singers and their trip to Uganda today, that uh, you'd protect them and keep them safe and, and help all their belongings and things arrive safely. Lord, help them as they reacclimate to ministry and life in Uganda with uh, two more little babies, that you'd just uh, give them the strength and the energy that they need and help that uh, settling back in go well. Lord, we think about the Smiths. Um, the prayer request mentioned for them, we just uh, know, Lord, that you are in control of all things. And whether we know the difficulties or know the details or not, Lord, you do, and we can trust you, and that your will is perfect. Lord, we ask that you'd be with uh, this young lady who's in a motorcycle accident, that uh, you would heal her. Lord, we don't know uh, her spiritual condition. We ask that uh, if, if she does not know you, that through this she would come to know you as Savior. We ask that uh, her body would be healed through this. We also ask for Ms. Um, Tamara, as she has this medical procedure tomorrow, that whatever it is that would be successful, Lord, uh, strengthen her and let the recovery be smooth and quick, um, and let the procedure be effective and successful, Lord. We also think about Mrs. Self and the procedure next Monday, that you would allow that to be successful and that the pain that she's been experiencing for such a while uh, would be reduced there in her back. We think about uh, many other requests that were shared tonight and others on the list, Lord. We just ask that you would work in these different scenarios, Lord, work in, in our, our bodies that are weak and frail, uh, work in our spirits that sometimes are also weak and frail, Lord. Strengthen us in your word. Uh, we ask that you would meet with us in a special way tonight, encourage us in your word, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this evening, Brother Kevin Brosnan will be coming and speaking, and I don't think he needs much introduction. Kevin Brosnan, go ahead and come. Thank you. Well, good evening. It's always a real privilege to be able to uh, speak from this pulpit, and I'm thankful for the opportunity I have tonight, and delighted to hear the good reports from Germany. Uh, I was just thinking today, if uh, I were still in my position as administrator, I would uh, no doubt uh, be there at the retreat this week. Uh, so it's uh, great to see how the Lord uh, has provided there. Um, now, uh, tonight, uh, what I want to do with the time that we have is uh, take a a two-pronged approach, uh, two very different things uh, as we get into to the time we have remaining here tonight. Um, I really felt the desire and appropriateness to um, give a testimonial, to, to just give personal testimony um, of how the Lord has worked in my own life over the last year. Uh, I felt that would be uh, of some edification for all of us. And... Um, so I'm going to begin that way, and then I'm going to transition in whatever time remains and uh, do something that uh, is one of the most enjoyable things that I ever did in my pulpit ministry uh, as a church planting missionary in South Africa, and that was when I, I took our people through uh, snapshots of Bible books. I was always, always aware of the need to be able to... Um, understand the big picture of the scriptures when a person is studying in a particular book or passage. And that was my purpose in doing that. So uh, over quite a lengthy period of time, uh, I would take uh, 
on a, in a midweek service the opportunity to just give a brief overview, not, not a survey as you might think of classical Bible survey, but more of, a, of what I would call a snapshot of a book of the Bible. And I'm not going to tell you what book it is yet, but it is in the New Testament. And uh, the reason I chose this particular book is because, um, as I thought about it, I thought it's probably one of the least known books of the New Testament. I think if I were to ask most of you tonight, you know, what can you tell me about this book? Uh, you could tell me, I'm sure, a few things, because every book is pretty familiar in the New Testament. Uh, but this one, I thought, would be of some value for us to look at. But as I mentioned, first of all, I want to uh, get into a bit of testimony with you. It was exactly a year ago uh, that I shared from this pulpit a prayer request with you, uh, as well as an explanation for the transition that I felt led to make out of full-time ministry and into secular work. Uh, and I knew that making a, a vocational change at age 62 uh, was uh, not going to be uh, easy. It would be a, a challenge. So Pastor uh, agreed that it would be good to uh, really, probably for two reasons to share from the pulpit. Uh, one was to enlist your prayers, and that's part of my reason for uh, giving testimony tonight, is to uh, share how God has answered prayer. Uh, but also because anytime an individual uh, exits from full-time ministry, uh, there are questions that need to be answered. So we attempted to do that then. Um, and I would say now that, uh, just to re rehearse a bit, the uh, really succinct explanation uh, was that uh, as a husband, uh, I had made a promise to my wife that when she turned 62, uh, I would no longer rely upon her for necessary income to keep our home running. And she had been doing that since 2009. And uh, by the way, lest anyone accuse me, uh, I did not give away my wife's age. This was a year ago, so I did not give away her age. Her, all right? But uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to keep that promise, and um, that was a big part of, of my motivation. So it was really a decision made uh, as a husband uh, and as a financial bridge to get to retirement. Um, let me also say that... Uh, or even really, I'll just make an admission that in the wake of the loss of our son three years ago, uh, I had found the weight of other people's burdens that I was ministering to to be excruciatingly difficult to handle uh, in, in the wake of what we had gone through. And that, from an emotional point of view, uh, was... A circumstance related to the move, not the fundamental reason for it. And it's probably obvious that Tamara needed an, my presence more than my responsibilities would allow with my domestic travel and foreign travel. So uh, that was really a, a practical problem. So let me just say... Uh, as far as the job change goes, I really think that was the most unsettling thing that I've ever gone through in my life. I, I have a new appreciation for men or anyone really in search of work. Um, I had never experienced that. I'd been spared that my entire life, uh, and it was a, a bigger deal than I realized. So um, I want to thank you for your prayers uh, and your support. Uh, I want to briefly testify of what the Lord has done both in helping us through our time of grief and in helping me in this huge vocational transition. So um, let me lead into the details of that testimony with um, a little anecdote of something that happened to me uh, pretty much about a month ago. Uh, I was uh, out uh, 
biking, and it had rained that day, but it had cleared up. It was a beautiful day for biking. The pavement was still wet, but there was no standing water, and uh, I think you know where this story's going. Uh, I had even pumped up my tires to full pressure, if that, and that didn't help. So uh, I was booking along on uh, one of these nice paved trails we have there in Madison. And, um, you know, I learned something because I didn't think that you could crash unless you ran into something or tried to apply your brakes or abruptly turned. But you know what? That's not true. Um, I was simply taking a curve on the trail at a fairly high speed and the pavement was damp and when my tires hit an old patch of dried paint it added just enough slickness that to my dismay both of the tires went right out from under me and in that moment I knew I was going down um, and I knew it was not going to end well and uh, so I tried to use my left leg to slow down before I inevitably hit the pavement and had some success in that. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, a great deal of the kinetic energy went right into my shoe. I had to throw my shoes away. It literally looked like you had taken an angle iron or a, a grinding wheel uh, to the one edge of my shoe. Uh, the pavement went right through all that rubber, right through my sock, and brought out blood in two places on my foot. Uh, but praise God, uh, that absorbed enough of the energy, and my helmet absorbed enough of the energy, that my body uh, did not have to go to the emergency room. Uh, I, um, I was laying there on the pavement. Uh, after a while, I, I, I looked around. I didn't see any bones laying around anywhere. And I thought to myself, can it be true? I survived this thing. Um, there was blood here and there, and there was a period of time of recovery, but no doctor's visits. I thank the Lord for that. And now I'm going to get to the reason why I told you that gross story. Um, I had a wound that was ugly. And uh, that there was a bandage over that wound for quite some time. And... The bandage, as you know, didn't really do a lot directly to help the wound heal. But we all know how important it is to have that protection, that indirect help that the bandage offers, uh, because even a slight little bump uh, is no fun and uh, can reopen the bleeding and so forth. So, um, you know, I really felt like that is a good analogy to the huge blessing and help that this church has been to my wife and me as we've gone through our time of grief. It was impossible for you to be much of a direct help simply because that's a divine function. But like that bandage, I can hardly imagine how we would have gotten to where we are today had it not been for the loving, patient, caring uh, prayers and expressions from the folks here in the church. Um, so, you know, I'm like you. I don't know what to say to someone when they've had a... Uh, a loss. Uh, I'm without words. And um, I just want people to know that I care. And that's what you folks have done. Um, what I did learn is that everybody has their own way of dealing with grief. Uh, for me, uh, and some people might say this is unhealthy, but I couldn't talk about it. And actually, to this day, I really struggle to talk about it. And um, that, uh, that is what works for me. Uh, for my wife, she's just the opposite. 
She needs to talk about it. And as you can imagine, that was a difficult uh, balance for us to uh, traverse uh, over the last three years. Uh, but I mention that to say this, that what I would really compliment the church about is that you folks accepted the various paths that my family would have to go through in recovering from a devastating loss. And you gave us room to do that in the way we needed to. And we appreciate that. And to the degree that we ever reached out for help, it was always available. To the degree that we needed to just know that people cared and sit in the pew, that was what occurred as well. And so I want to compliment the church on that. Um, you've really, really helped us. And we've come a long way emotionally and spiritually. And to epitomize that, and I'm sorry to embarrass my very good friend, but Brother Pat Delaney, he just happens to be sitting here. But he really epitomizes what I'm trying to say. And I think that what he has done as my friend, my very close friend, is the same that you've all done in your own way. Uh, you may or may not be aware that he and I traveled back and forth to work. Uh, and uh, uh, together we, we ride-shared uh, when I was still working at Baptist World Mission. And we did that for years, became really good friends because of that, uh, and had wonderful conversations. But following the loss of our son, uh, you know... Brother Pat, I just want to say, it would be impossible to improve upon the way that you handled your friend in a time of grief. Uh, it would be as if you had gone through it many, many times with others, but I know it was just the grace of God working through you, the love of God working through you. And uh, he would understand that I never talked about it. And he never pushed but there were times when, brief times, when there would be some back and forth. And he really, really helped me. And so, as we have opportunity to help people who have greater needs, um, you know, I, I just uh, appreciate that we didn't have people um, trying to force solutions on us. For something that really doesn't have a solution. So um, we thank God for where he's brought us. He gets the glory and you folks were an instrument in his hands. And of course that's an ongoing thing. Now let me uh, transition to my uh, job testimony. Uh, you've been praying over the last year. Um, I just started looking exactly a year ago. It was a huge step. Um, the Lord was very good and opened up a door. I started on November 1st uh, in an IT position that uh, the company, when they interviewed me, actually uh, created. Uh, actually, I think it was when they saw my resume and saw the uniqueness of a guy who has no real formal IT experience, but some abilities in it. And on the other hand, a lot of business experience, they actually created a position for me that kind of merged the two areas. And so for the company I work for, I've been able to, uh, since that time, um, help them to automate their billing processes um, and uh, become familiar with the, uh, and I'm trying to avoid being real specific, but some of you may be familiar with ServiceNow, the platform, the cloud platform, uh, so that's a big part of it. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, praise God for that. Uh, I like them. They seem to like me. It's a good atmosphere. The Lord blessed. Uh, it was a door that he had to open. And I thank God for it. Uh, it's gone well. And actually, uh, it was just today that uh, I received word that uh, the uh, uh, HR department has approved uh, moving me from contractor status to uh, direct employee. And so I'm really thankful to, to see that transition taking place. 
So uh, I say all that to, to praise God for his goodness and to thank you for your prayers. And um, let me then uh, move on and uh, transition to uh, the second part of what we're going to look at tonight. And that is a snapshot of 2 Corinthians. So if you're not already there, uh, please open in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians. So what I was alluding to earlier is what you might call the big picture, the small picture, the, uh, the macro uh, versus the micro. Um, in theological terms, we call it inductive or deductive as your approach to Bible study. And I want to emphasize this because it's really important. Uh, there is a lot of value in rushing through the whole Bible. And what I mean by that is in, in uh, uh, let's say you've got a, a, an annual goal. Every year I'm going to read through the whole Bible. And I'm not going to allow myself to to get slowed down in uh, passages that I really get attracted to, but I'm going to force myself to just hit the target, get all the way through the Bible. Okay, that, that's the deductive part of what we talk about Bible study, where you get the big picture. And then, equally important, is regular inductive study. In other words, very focused study, very detailed study in a particular book, in a particular text, in a set of verses um, to give deeper theological or uh, other types of understanding of the scripture. And when you merge those two together, it really um, develops within an individual a tremendous grasp of, uh, of the Bible uh, from uh, not only a content, but a theological point of view. And uh, it actually helps to answer a lot of questions that arise as you read the Bible. Sometimes the Bible even seems to contradict itself. But as you get the big picture, those contradictions just fade away because you see how it all fits together. And so I really want to uh, admonish you uh, about those two approaches to Bible study. Now, uh, so tonight we're just taking a very brief snapshot of 2 Corinthians, and I'm hoping that I can get some volunteers to read some brief passages from this book. And we already have someone handy with a portable mic, and so when I get to that in a few moments, please be ready to volunteer, because if I don't get a volunteer right away, I'm just going to go ahead and do it myself. And I like to hear different voices. So have that in mind. I will be looking for several volunteers in just a moment. So as we get into this uh, book of 2 Corinthians, um, you would immediately be aware that if there's a 2 Corinthians, well, there must be a 1 Corinthians, right? <laughs> so uh, it almost goes without saying that 2 Corinthians is a follow-up to 1 Corinthians. But you might not be aware that Paul may have written as many as four epistles to the Corinthians, only two of which are inspired and preserved in the Word of God, as the Word of God. But as we study these two books, we do find allusions to other communication, written communication, that he seemed to have with them. And so if we accept that he had these other uh, uninspired written communications, you could argue that, okay, this is the fourth time that the Apostle Paul has written uh, to these Corinthian believers. You are probably also very aware that Corinthians, what's their most outstanding trait that they're known for? Not what any church wants to have as their label. Carnal. <laughs> they're known as the carnal church. That's sad, isn't it? The good news is, in 2 Corinthians, they've taken a turn. And so in 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses this carnality in the church and the lax attitude toward the sin and carnality, the open sin and carnality that's just being tolerated and ignored. And then you get to 2 Corinthians. But I think most people are more familiar with the content of 1 Corinthians than 2 Corinthians. I could be wrong on that. Certainly it wouldn't be true for everyone. So we're in about A.D. 56. 
probably at least six months period of time between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul uh, was so anxious to hear back on how they responded to his first, to the book of 1 Corinthians. And Titus uh, reports to him that they had a good response. And now he's writing back to them uh, in this really, really wonderful book. Now, let me compare 2 Corinthians with some other New Testament books. Um, for example, when you think of Rome, it's, it's, there's a contrast with Romans. When you think of Romans, what do you think of? A very doctrinal book, right? 2 Corinthians is very practical. If you want to just have some wonderful edification about practical daily Christian living, read the book of 2 Corinthians. It will bless you from, from the first verse to the last chapter. And um, <clears throat> Romans, you could also argue, is the most systematic of all of the New Testament books, whereas 2 Corinthians is the least systematic. Um, there is some commonality between 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and Hebrews. All three of those books emphasize the uh, second covenant, or the new covenant. Uh, let me give you some unique features of the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, did you know that it is the most autobiographical as far as talking about the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul doesn't normally talk much about himself. He does give his testimony here and there in, in the scriptures. But if you really want to get biographical knowledge about the Apostle Paul, go to 2 Corinthians. He talks about himself a lot in 2 Corinthians. It's where we learn about that amazing vision he had that we never knew about. And so the Apostle Paul uh, really opens his heart to us and says, this is who I am. By the way, I'm an apostle. I have God's authority on me. You need to listen to my message. It is authoritative. It is binding. It is from the Lord. He has to assert that authority, and he does it in a biographical way. So you'll find that tantalizing, enjoyable. It's wonderful reading, uh, and it's, it's kind of unique. So I really like that aspect of the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so, um, you know, Paul there does give us a view of his personal life and his ministry, uh, in, in that book, it is, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, the least doctrinal, uh, with the possible exception of Philemon, which is not very doctrinal either. Um, but don't misunderstand when I say that. You find some really deep doctrinal truths in 2 Corinthians, but that's not the focus. Um, it gives us insights into the character and tactics of false teachers uh, and even of Satan. And so uh, that's kind of a unique aspect of it. Uh, and it contains the most comprehensive, powerful, detailed presentation and argument for Christian giving. Uh, it devotes a full two chapters to the Christian's responsibility and attitude in giving. For the Lord's work. And the focus there is on financial giving. But it covers the whole gamut of what our spirit needs to be. If we're going to be givers. And so there is no place even close in all the scripture. Uh, that can even begin to compare. With the full two chapter presentation. That we get on Christian giving. There in chapters uh, 8 and 9 of 2 uh, Corinthians. Uh, let me then list for you uh, some, some of the purposes. I'm just going to name these right off. And then we're going to look at some well-known passages. And that might be about as far as we get this evening. But uh, let me list for you um, about six, six purposes for why Paul wrote this epistle back to the Corinthian believers there at the church at Corinth. Uh, he wanted to explain why his plans 
for another visit to Corinth had changed. He wanted them to understand that. He deals with that right off at the beginning. Uh, He wants to instruct them concerning the restoration of a fallen brother that he had dealt with in the first book and where there had been repentance, and he wanted them to have the right attitude about restoring that uh, repentant brother. Uh, He expresses his joy over the revival that had come into the church uh, and, uh, and, and that had precipitated his harsh letter that he wrote to them. Uh, he also is um, discussing his motivation for ministry. As I mentioned before, a lot of uh, biographical. He, he talks about why he does what he does in the ministry and and what his ministry is all about, and the defense of himself and his ministry. Uh, And he contrasts that with his opponents and their ugly motives for their attempts to control the church there. Uh, He also uh, gives a very practical encouragement to holy living uh, in chapters 6 and 7. Uh, And as I mentioned before, a major purpose of writing the book is to encourage generous giving. He devotes two full chapters to that. Uh, And uh, he uh, is, of course, uh, appealing for the needs of the suffering believers in Judea when he does that. And he is uh, holding up as a wonderful example uh, the uh, Macedonian uh, believers who had given out of their deep poverty uh, very generously. And he uh, uses those two things to, to motivate and focus them on what they ought to do. And he even goes as far as to say, this is what I expect you will do. Um, all right, that brings us then to some well-known passages and memory verses. Uh, I said that maybe 2 Corinthians isn't the most well-known, but it has some really well-known passages, doesn't it? Um, probably the most memorized Well, you tell me, what is probably the most memorized verse uh, in the book? Did you say 517? Because that's what I was listening for. All right, I couldn't quite hear. Uh, There are several, but uh, absolutely 2 Corinthians 517. Um, And uh, so there are are a number. Um, Of course, that's the verse that says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature or creation. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's go ahead then and pass around the mic. Who will quickly raise their hand and volunteer to read chapter 1, verses 3 to 4? Chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Okay. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Thank you. All right. Uh, someone else to read chapter 3, 17 to 18. Chapter 3, 17 to 18. Got to be quick. Got to be fast. Chapter 3, 17 to 18. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as in glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image of glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Great. All right. Uh, Who will read chapter 4, 16 to 18? Thank you. Chapter 4, 16 to 18. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Thank you. All right, chapter 5, verse 10. Chapter 5, verse 10. I've still got a few more, so we need volunteers. Thank you. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. 
Thank you. All right, and I already shared chapter 5, verse 17, so let's move on to chapter 9, verse 7. Okay. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Thank you. And then uh, the last one would be chapter 12, 9 to 10. Chapter 12, 9 to 10. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you. So we got uh, to hear passages that probably every one of those is familiar to you. And I hope that just whets your appetite to get into the book of 2 Corinthians if you haven't been there for a while. Uh, let me wind this up with uh, prodding you on another point. You know, there, there are some beautiful pictures or analogies in the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, you know, we often see that in the prophets. Um, but in uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, we have a couple really tremendous comparisons or analogies. And I'll just share with you rather than solicit it, but I know you're probably thinking of them already. And you might be thinking of something very legitimate and valid that's not even on my mind. But uh, I just love that passage in chapter 4 where it talks about how we as believers are those earthen vessels. We are the earthen vessels. We're just those clay pots. Nothing of real significance. But then it says that we... Uh, that we hold the, the treasure of the gospel. You know, we, we, are, uh, we, are, we are the carriers of the gospel. It's a very evangelistic um, chapter. And you're probably aware that as you get into chapter 5, it calls us something very lofty. It begins with an A. Yes, ambassadors for Christ. And the two are wonderful pictures that are kind of pitted against each other. Um, from one perspective, an, an earthen vessel, a clay, plot, a, a clay pot. On the other hand, we are ambassadors for the King of Kings and, Lords of, and Lord of Lords. As we, as we shepherd the gospel, as we disseminate the gospel, as we carry out the Great Commission, as we are obedient to the faith, as we are uh, a, a light to a lost and dark world, that's how God characterizes us. And that's the practicality of 2 Corinthians. I, I have probably preached more sermons from 2 Corinthians 4 than any other single chapter of the Bible. Uh, it has drawn my attention so many times. All right, well, thank you for your good attention tonight. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and I trust that the rest of your week is God-blessed. Loving Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege of coming apart in the middle of the week uh, to refocus on our faith, uh, to interact with other believers, uh, Lord, to uh, meditate on the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that at least one good thing has happened in each of our hearts tonight. As we leave this place, we can say to ourselves it was, it was worth the, the effort and the toil and, uh, to, to get out and, and be there tonight. Uh, Lord, I do pray uh, once again as we come to these closing moments that you will wonderfully bless our pastor and his wife as they minister to those uh, precious missionaries and their families uh, there in Europe this week. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.